Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. This is William Zelmer, one of the contributing editors of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy, speaking with Elizabeth Hall Lipsy, who is the lead author of a journal paper entitled Pharmacotherapeutic Disparities, Demonstrating Racial, Ethnic, and Sex Variations in Medication Treatment. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello. I wonder if we could uh, begin by having you describe briefly your responsibilities at the University of Arizona College of Pharmacy, where you hold the title of Program Manager for Health Disparities Initiative and Community Outreach. Tell us what that is. Well, it's a question that I hate to be asked at cocktail parties because it's a not an easy one-word answer. Ah. Um, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun to come into this position because it's been uh, very self-directed. It was really sort of up to me to decide what we wanted to focus on, and I've only been at the university for two years now. But so far, we've really begun looking at disparities as it pertains to workforce. So in Arizona, we have very urban centers in Phoenix and Tucson, but very rural communities that span across our state. So looking at at diversity or disparities that are experienced in, in rural communities. So we look at trying to promote getting our pharmacy students out to rural communities, whether that's through internships or rotations with the hope that they consider rural practice upon their graduation. But the other part of my job is then is to also look at, at research opportunities and intervention and program opportunities that we could implement to address uh, disparities. And one of the first things that we decided to look at in this position was to specifically look at the ways that pharmacy was impacted with health disparities. And so out of just some brainstorming within uh, the university and with some of the, the great faculty here, We started looking at at differences in medication treatment as just a a really quick and easy way for pharmacy to get involved in sort of the health care disparities and health status disparities literature and research that's out there. Very good. Sounds like an extremely uh, interesting position and very important work you're doing. Let's maybe go back to some uh, very basic terminology here. How would you define health disparities? What is meant by that term, which we hear so much in healthcare these days? It's a very big buzzword, and I think that the, there are a lot of different definitions, and I think everyone kind of has their own favorite one. And I think for me, one of the most important and key components of health disparities is that it implies and it includes some sort of inequity. I think that you have to, I mean, it's easy to point to just basic differences in healthcare, whether we're talking about differences in treatment for racial or ethnic or sex groups, but those differences in treatment need to be significant and, and need to be not necessarily medically or evidence-based in, in their differences. So I think that a key component when you're thinking about disparities is to look to see is there some inequity in those differences. Is it something where clearly everyone should be receiving this treatment and certain defined groups are not? Okay, so I hear you saying that there's really a, a social justice principle or belief that uh, is the foundation for our concern about health disparities. Would you say that's accurate? I would definitely agree. I think that there is definitely a, a sort of a social justice component. There, I would definitely agree with that comment. Mm-hmm. Now, your review paper in the journal is uh, specifically on pharmacotherapeutic disparities. Uh, I wonder if you could break that down for us. What are the individual types of such disparities, and what did your analysis of the literature show about those types? 
Well, pharmacotherapeutic disparities is a term that Marie Chisholm, Burns, and I sort of worked on and developed as a result of this literature review. Um, and those were differences that we could see, and to be perfectly honest, the types of pharmacotherapeutic disparities really were something that we characterized as a result of the literature and the articles that we reviewed for this particular manuscript. We didn't go into it knowing what kind of pharmacotherapeutic disparities there would be. We just had sort of been thinking, well, are there differences in medication treatment? Because when you look at the literature, there are obvious differences in medical treatment, whether that's surgical or other interventions that healthcare providers offer. So we hadn't really seen a lot in literature about maybe disparities overall in medication. And so as a result of looking through these articles, we did really come up with sort of types of pharmacotherapeutic disparities. And the ones that we describe in the manuscript are differences in receipt, non-receipt of a drug, differences in the drug selected, differences in the doses or intensity of a drug that's administered, and then even the method of drug delivery, whether it's oral versus injected. And as a last category, we found um, differences in the wait time to receiving a drug. And so this is by no means exhaustive, but I think out of the 300 and more articles that we reviewed and, and included in this study, those are probably the five most common types of disparities that we saw. So you're really forging into some new territory here by developing a, a new classification system that perhaps will be useful to others. We would really hope that it is. It was one of the ways that we could kind of wrap our arms around these articles because most of the literature that we'd seen in the field to date was in very specific, looking at strictly at just specific disease categories. So examining, for example, pain literature to see if there was differences in medication treatment. And pain, as you'd see from the article that Dr. Chisholm and I worked on, you can see that pain is a, is a very prolific category with lots of examples of pharmacotherapeutic disparities. Mm -hmm. Now, what can you say about how pharmacotherapeutic disparities, as reflected by the literature that you reviewed, affects health outcomes? Were there some significant uh, observations on your part in this regard? There were, and unfortunately, I think I'd have to preface this, this sort of section by saying that this was an often an outcome that was always reported in the majority of the articles. I think a minority of articles reported an outcome that they could associate with the health, with the pharmacotherapeutic disparity. And I think that's kind of an area where I'm hoping that we'll see maybe an improvement or an, 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 that the literature begins to address this issue. One of the other problems we had is, for example, pain, and I'm sorry to keep going back to that one, but um, no one really looked at outcomes from pain because that one is sort of an obvious outcome. I mean, if, if someone's pain is uncontrolled, other their health quality of life and quality of life and personal satisfaction as an outcome is obviously decreased, but no one is necessarily capturing that data um, or looking to see that. So obviously that was an outcome that we couldn't really report or, or associate or provide a good p-value for. But some of the outcomes that we did see were obviously diminished achievement of treatment goals, specifically in, in diabetes or cardiovascular disease. Those individuals who are treated differently with medications obviously did not reach their target goals. Um, we saw that in oncology and that the most often disparity seen in, in oncology was delay to treatment. And obviously those individuals who were delayed didn't often have the same or lower outcome and, and five-year survival rates. Well, that just strikes me as a very important points, uh, given sort of what we consider to be the modern mission of the pharmacist to help people make the best use of medicines. Uh, you've shown uh, in your summary of the literature that Indeed, quite often that objective can be compromised when we're faced with uh, disparities in how health care is delivered. Absolutely. What can you say about any uh, key patient variables or perhaps pharmacist variables that affect 
pharmacotherapeutic disparities? Well, I think one of the take-home messages that, that we really found is that, unfortunately, while we couldn't necessarily get into those specifically in this paper since this was, it was already very long with the number of articles we reviewed, um, and it's definitely, I think, an area that's rife for more uh, work in, is that those factors that are associated with pharmacotherapeutic disparities are probably most likely the same ones that are associated with health and health care disparities. And so those can run the gamut from patient-level factors to even just the healthcare delivery system factors and to provider factors. And so there could very well be different ones that we haven't considered, but my guess would be is that they'd be fairly similar to those healthcare and health um, disparities that we see already. I think with patients and, and specifically with medicine, you have, you know, maybe patient beliefs that they don't want to take some sort of drug or are not interested in drug therapy. And, and you always have also the patient factor where they're, you know, the expense of taking the medication means that they might have been prescribed this, but they don't have it in their possession when the individual is seeing if certain groups have or do not have this medication because they didn't feel they couldn't afford it. So whether or not that's a socioeconomic or a racial or ethnic disparity, that still needs to be teased out. And for example, on the provider end, some of the most interesting articles, and unfortunately I was only able to briefly reference these, is that when you see concordance in racial or ethnic groups between providers and patients, you see less disparities. So those are some of the factors I think that we initially were really able to view in, in this quick literature review. But obviously this is an area where there's got to be a lot more research and, and sort of delving deeper into why these disparities are exhibited. How would you characterize the importance of your findings to the practicing pharmacist, the frontline practitioner who is serving patients day in and day out? Well, I think that as, as pharmacists really drive and are, are becoming much more committed and interested in, in becoming a frontline patient care provider, which given these pharmacotherapeutic disparities is only something that can be a good thing, I think that it's helpful for them to be aware and for them to take an active role in ensuring that there isn't this level of perhaps inequity or, or injustice in, in the difference in treatments to different groups. So it really does invite the, the opportunity for enhanced cultural competency training for all providers, but especially pharmacists as they become more active in patient care and, and more seen as a true care provider. Have you given any thought to uh, are there some particular implications for the profession of pharmacy as a whole based on your analysis of, of the literature that perhaps uh, uh, we all should be focusing on more assertively to reduce pharmacotherapeutic disparities? I wish that I could. And at this point, I think that there's so much more that needs to be learned that that would be a really hard I, I wish that I could have a, a wonderful policy to introduce. As, as an attorney, I'd love to have that answer, or I'd love to have that bill or, or statute or policy that, that could be implemented to fix all of this right away. But because it is such a multifactorial thing where you've got the overlap of a healthcare delivery system and a different insurance scheme for each individual patient almost, and you have such a, so many diverse patients and so many patient factors, whether that's culture or beliefs or value systems that patients have or even just the economic realities that patients face. And then when you have providers who are all trying to do their very best but are working at times in systems that are fragmented where they can't necessarily work with one another as effectively or work within systems to give their patients the care and, and time that they, I know they want to, um, it's one of those issues where, gosh, you don't even some days know where to start. Mm-hmm. You know, you commented a moment ago about some of the implications of your paper for the frontline practitioner, but it strikes me maybe that there are even sharper implications for practice managers in pharmacy. Do you have any comments on that point? 
One of the interesting things, and, and unfortunately this is just a small thing of what I think that pharmacy managers might want to be aware of, and, and I think the key is, is that as long as we continue to make providers and, and um, managers and policymakers aware of these issues, that we can all hopefully work together to continue to improve these situations. But for pharmacy managers, one of the most interesting articles that I reviewed was how different pharmacies stock different medications and how, for example, in the pain literature, and again, this was one of the most prolific, so I've constantly returned to it, how in certain pharmacies, particularly in depressed economic areas, and in those depressed economic areas, they tended to be more populated by racial or ethnic minority groups, there weren't the same medications stocked in those pharmacies. And so for those patients, and specifically in the pain literature, those, ones were not, those patients were not receiving the same pain medication drugs, and that was probably related to their inability to get them filled. That might be something that I think pharmacy managers might be very aware of or to make them more aware of and to, to sort of look at ways that we can make sure that there's a little more parity in what's available to patients. And obviously there are understandable reasons why in certain pharmacies you might not want to be stocking a lot of, of uh, controlled step substances or, or more powerful narcotics given the potential for robberies and other issues. And I, I'm aware that in an ideal world that we'd be able to have that kind of parity and, and not always is our world I- ideal. But those are just some of the issues I think that could immediately be something that pharmacy managers address. But also I think in, in terms of staffing and personnel and offering the opportunities for pharmacists to become aware of this issue so that as they do provide care to patients, they can be aware of, of these potential disparities or when pharmacy scripts are coming in that they can see some patients aren't receiving the same thing and, and having that dialogue with other providers to ensure that there isn't this kind of disparity that's perpetuated. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for speaking with me today. A very interesting paper, and congratulations on its publication. Thank you. I was really excited, and it was a lot of fun, and, and I look forward to this to continuing work in this area because it looks like there's a lot that, that, that can be learned. This is William Zelmer, contributing editor of AJHP. I've been speaking with Elizabeth Hall Lipsy, the lead author of an AJHP paper entitled Pharmacotherapeutic Disparities demonstrating racial, ethnic, and sex variations in medication treatment. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.